we are in a, a real paradigm shift time period. And we, we often say, we don't sell raw milk, we teach it. So when you teach people about the gut immune system, we teach people about what raw, raw milk is and breastfeeding and all that stuff. The benefits of breast, breastfeeding, by the way, are undisputed by anybody, but yet it's mammalian raw milk. When you teach those things, people shift their mind. And because their gut is so connected to the brain, emotionally and thoughtfully, the gut brain axis, um, you change their gut, their mind follows quickly. Welcome to the Drew Perlman Show. Think of this podcast as the antidote to the fear, the noise, and the talking heads in the news. The show features an entertaining blend of ancient wisdom, empowering ideas, and cutting-edge, healthy living science to optimize your health and your life. So let's dive in and get started. Today's guest on the show is Mark McAfee, and Mark co-founded the world's largest organic raw milk dairy in 1999, named Organic Pastures Dairy, and today it sells its raw milk products safely across the United States in over 900 store locations. The Raw Farm brand estimates to feed over 50,000 families in California alone. Mark founded the Raw Milk Institute in 2011 to assure that farmers had a resource to assist them in producing very low risk milk, raw milk for their consumers. And Mark is also a pre-med trained retired EMS paramedic and acute care medical educator with a background in organic farming. And he has lectured on the safety and gut biome benefits of raw milk at USC, Stanford, and many, many, many other universities and medical schools in Australia and US, the USA and Canada. Mark, welcome to the show today. Thank you, Drew. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it, it is such a pleasure. So I met Mark back in August. I was at the School of Lunch Academy with Hillary, who's been on our show, the amazing School of Lunch Academy. And Mark did a presentation on raw milk that was that was fantastic, and we and we also got to enjoy his raw milk every every single morning. Mark, I, I would wake up early, I'd have my coffee with your raw cream in it, yeah, and it was like the best treat you could <laughs> ever imagine. It's so good, Pretty good stuff. Pretty good stuff. Oh, you you make the best the best raw milk and the best raw cream. But just just talk about your background a little bit. I was really fascinating. You were just telling me that you're about to hop on your airplane um, with some of your grandkids and you're a <laughs> pilot, but you're also um, this background as an EMS, emergency medical technician, paramedic, to, to go from that to co-founding the world's largest organic raw milk dairy. Maybe just talk a little bit about your background and how you got into this. Well, I grew up on a dairy farm when I was a child. So until I was 13, 14 years old, I used to be the chief slave, right? I used to, <laughs> to do everything for free and worked hard. And, and um, I was never a professional dairyman, but I, I love the cows and the environment. And the fact that you could make a, a product that was more developed. You could get, you take the grass and the alfalfa and the feed and create a milk product that could be sold to people. And I, I learned that as a child. I also learned how to weld and do other things in high school and my first job out of high school, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. So I worked in a mine. I worked in a, a Teledyne tungsten up in Sierra Nevadas. And uh, I was kind of the relief welder at night. And here I was, 18 and a half years old, the rookie. But I would fix things nobody else could fix at 2 o'clock in the morning. 
and I impressed them. So I was promoted and I, I did uh, some millwright work and I worked up there and made a bunch of money so I could go to college. But during that experience, um, a helicopter had to come in and rescue one of our, our workers that got hit in the head with a log and nearly killed him. And I was so impressed by the rotors running around and the, and the, the orange jumpsuits and the, and, the, and, the, and the nurse and the paramedic on board. I said, I've got to do that. Now, that was back in 1979, 1980. Uh, so I went to paramedic school. I, I, I got my pre-med. I did a couple of years of college, got all the pre-meds taken care of. I went to paramedic school. I graduated valedictorian. I absolutely loved it. I became a preceptor right away. I started teaching other paramedics. And then I worked for the county for, for 10 years, teaching paramedic medicine. And I just really excelled. And I, I was a pilot for a short period of time with the EMS. I, I, I was an operations manager. I was on the rescue team. I was on the helicopter. I did swift water rescue. I, I did just everything you could imagine. I was an ACLS instructor. I, I was an ACLS instructor trainer, ATLS instructor. Everything you can imagine in paramedic medicine for about 17 years. Um, and during that period of time, it was exhausting. I mean, you don't get much sleep. Uh, you're always woken at two, three, four o'clock in the morning or don't get any sleep at all. And it was, it was tough, it, you know, the dead bodies and, you know, just the whole thing. It was, we got to see, I got to see humanity at its best, its worst, deliver babies, do CPR. So that was a great experience for a first chapter in life. And my grandparents passed away in 1996 and left a thousand acres of ground that they had leased out to other farmers that I'd been on as a child, but they leased out to other farmers as my father was doing other things. And so uh, I was the only brother that wanted to basically shift careers because I was kind of done with that chapter. And so uh, I took over the family farms, but I did it very intentionally. And I think this was seminal. This was really the foundation of why we are where we are today. I wanted to serve people, not processors. So we started out as an organic operation, selling the Organic Valley as I was kind of searching my heart of how we we're going to do this. And I learned very quickly, people asked me, please take your raw milk directly from your dairy to Los Angeles. And that was a, a big deal because my wife and I didn't have a creamery, didn't have a permit to sell raw milk. We we're selling to a pasteurizer. And we bottled up about 150 half gallons of milk, put them in an ice chest in the back of our suburban. This is 1999, 2000. We drove to LA to a place called The Garage run by James Stewart, who has a very interesting history. And as we were there, we were greeted by just a horde of people. I don't know if it was 100 people or 200, but it was just a huge number of people that started to open up the doors in the back of our Suburban and grab the milk and put 10 and $20 bills inside saying, thank you, thank you, come back next week or come back in a few days. We need more milk. There's no raw milk. Altadena had just closed in May of 1999, and there was no raw milk. Altadena was a large raw milk producer. In fact, they were the largest raw milk producer in the world for a while. Uh, they were the last certified, uh, they were certified the AAAMC, the American Association of Medical Milk Commissions, their last certified raw milk dairy in the United States. And that organization started in 1893. So that lasted about 106 years, but they closed. They sold and made a bunch of money selling their, their real estate to Dean's Foods. That was really, really powerful because as I left with my wife, we had thousands of dollars uncounted just littering our vehicle. We said, what the hell just happened, right? <laughs> what, what, what just went down? And it really impressed both of us because the people were telling us stories about how their children couldn't drink pasteurized milk and this raw milk was life-saving to them. Now, remember, here I am as a retired paramedic thinking, I like life-saving things. I want to change people's lives. I want to touch people. 
And my wife was a nurse, a nurse for years, 23 years delivering labor delivery, uh, labor delivery and nursing, uh, nursing for babies and, and lactation. So I've always believed in lifelong learning and always believed in continuing to stay in school. And you never stop learning life. So I quickly immersed myself in everything raw milk. And um, now I'm a member of the International Milk Genomics Consortium, a sponsor with the Raw Milk Institute. And I'm the only farm in the room, surrounded by 120, 130 PhDs once a year, wherever it is in the world. Just got back from Cork, Ireland. So it's been a, a wonderful journey. It's a phenomenal journey. And now uh, there's so many nuances to this course of travel, what path this was. But uh, in the last three or four years since COVID hit, raw milk sales had exploded. I'm literally exploded. We are now the number one milk in all the natural food stores in California. Number one. Um, above pasteurized, organic valley, national brands. We exceed national brands in California on dollar sales from consumers. And we're number five, we're number one on gallons and number five on um, half gallons. <clears throat> so we have changed history by giving options to dollar voting consumers to be able to make a choice for their health. Since COVID, the sales, we were always doing well, growing 10, 20% a year, but now we're growing 50 to 70% per year because the consumers realize and recognize this through, they recognize that when a baby is born, the first food of life delivers and builds an immune system in the gut, which is 80% of the immune system in the body, before one was existing in utero. <clears throat> what better food to rebuild, restore, bring about a strong immune system than raw milk? Because that's its purpose. But pasteurized milk does not do that because the bioactives are destroyed by heat. So these bioactives we're talking about, there's literally thousands of them and more discovered every, every time we do more science, um, are foundational to the gut microbiome, uh, decreasing inflammation, controlling inflammation, uh, protecting uh, immune system strength. All these things come from raw milk and other whole foods, but raw milk is the preeminent in the world. So uh, we have grown, we're thriving, and I'm blessed to have a son with a master's degree who has been working here literally his whole entire life. Uh, my daughter has her degree in marketing. She runs the social platforms and, 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 and works with influencers. And so we have a team, and raw milk is built by a team there's a lot of jobs between grass to glass. Mm. Uh, so we have built a preeminent brand now, Raw Farm, which used to be organic pastures, but now it's Raw Farm. And it is leading the way. And it's also doing one other very important thing. It's showing other farmers that it can be done. And what's interesting about that is we engage all of Mother Nature's blueprints in their original beautiful form after, name your number, 100,000 years of evolution or longer. Mm that raw milk is brought to this place for mammals to build immune systems, protect babies, nourish babies, direct babies. It does a direction. It does all kinds of interesting directions. But we also understand that the American immune system is compromised because of leaky gut syndrome and issues with all kinds of stuff. And so the bad pathogens that can occur, uh, listeria, uh, campylobacter, salmonella, um, E. coli 157.87. We don't want those things in the milk. So we do a marriage of, literally a marriage of the blueprints of life in 
fantastic evolutionary food called raw milk, the first food of life. And we marry that with extreme cutting edge pioneering technology like PCR, where we were able to test, test every batch of our milk every day to make sure there's no bad bacteria, only good, wonderful bacteria. We're not processing the milk to do that. We're testing it to assure that the conditions we have, the health of the cows, and it's very rare that we find a pathogen, but we do. And we track it down and it's no longer in the milk. So we're able to test this rapidly and every batch clear it so that everybody can have a very, very le high level of confidence that the raw milk is fantastic for you with no downsides whatsoever. Mm. That has driven the market. We've also taught other farmers how to do that. So we've also pioneered that we're bringing in two more technologies that have just come into being in the last two years that we've helped pioneer that will allow us to do that testing much more quickly. Instead of 12 to 20 hours to wait, we'll be waiting three hours. Oh, wow. And the same kind of specificity and sensitivity will be present uh, using this Kraken Sense technology and Spec Labs technology on farm instead of having to drive to a lab 20 miles away. So we're doing some phenomenal things that can literally replace pasteurization as a technology, but not affect the milk and the bioactives, which is so powerful and delicious and wonderful for people. So that's a <laughs> long-winded discussion on how we got to where we are today. Well, you know, Mark, I, I can feel your passion. I mean, the, the passion is, you, you know, it really, we, we can all feel that. But, yeah. um, but, but Mark, you know, you, when you gave your presentation that I was listening to, you, you made a really interesting point. You said, Raw milk is the most anti-inflammatory food on the planet, and pasteurized milk may very well be one of the most inflammatory. Maybe just speak to what makes raw milk so anti-inflammatory. Drew, that's a very quick, a very good question. And I spend three and a half, four days every year at the International Milk Genomics Consortium listening to PhDs tell us exactly why. And this is what they talk about. There's a lot of research in Europe, but there's a lot of research in the United States on breast milk. Remember, mammals, we're mammals. Mammals are defined by breastfeeding, by lactation. Mammalian species actually lactate, produce milk for their young. Well, human mothers do that for their babies. So do cows, goats, sheep, horses, reindeer, camels. Um, and what's interesting about that is when a baby is born, there's something called dysbiotic chaos in the gut. Uh, there's no organization of anything. It's just not a, it's a tissue area completely undeveloped in the intestinal tract. No poop in there, no food in there. It's, it's almost sterile, but not. Um, and what does it need to start the immune system? Well, it needs something that does three things. It needs something that directs the newborn because now without a link to mom, the umbilical cord is gone and it needs to direct the baby. It needs to fully nourish the baby with nothing else. That's all it gets, no water or anything else. And it needs to protect the baby. So in those three categories of things, there's an incredible plethora, uncounted numbers and more discovered literally every year of bioactive elements. These are peptide enzymes, uh, uh, probiotic bacteria, um, uh, specialized sugars, oligosaccharides, uh, all kinds of fantastic things uh, alkaline phosphatase enzymes, which are highly anti-inflammatory, all of these bioactives act on that virgin gut, the baby, and build an immune system and all the structures, the mucosal linings, the, the, the diversity of bacteria and the food that feeds it, all these things, and also delivers things like stem cells. And incredible, raw milk has stem cells in it. 
Um, uh, mRNA, we've heard it as kind of a terrible thing to say because vaccinations have it in synthetic GMO form or whatever they, however they create it. Raw milk is where they discovered microRNA or mRNA. And that's why it's such a fantastic drug delivery system because mRNA directs the body what to do. Well, mRNA was found in raw milk. It's mm. made in its biological God-given form nature's form versus what was made in a lab someplace. And so it's not harmful. It's fantastic because what it does is direct the body to do things and to get out of confusion and out of chaos into a well-organized regimented system, which goes on about baby building a baby and building a life and a strong immune system. So these bioactives are literally destroyed. There's very few that survive heat. Uh, in fact, Above 150 degrees, very few. Above 180 to 200 degrees, none. I mean, literally none. And what's really tragic, Drew, is that our government, our FDA, and milk industry, for the most part, the big processors, refuse to evolve. They want to stay with an 18th century solution to an 18th century problem. And to quote Dr. Bruce German, who's the founder of the IMGC, he's a university professor at at UC Davis here in California, he said, and we could do much better. The problem is there's so many hundreds of billions of dollars invested in just one process. Heat it till it's deader than dead, which is pasteurization, a five log kill, to get extend shelf life and don't worry about gut life. Mm -hmm. um, that they refuse to look at things like HPP, which has less of an effect. It still kills some of them, but much less of an effect on bioactive. HPP is, is high pressure pascalization, not pasteurization, but pascalization, which is called cold processing or high pressure, which kills bad bacteria. But uh, other bacteria survive and also the enzymes aren't as, as affected. Anyway, there are countries around the world that are using that process or investigating and using that process. They, they refuse to look at UV, ultra, ultraviolet light, which has an effect on some of the bacteria and some of the uh, genetics of those bacteria and doesn't affect some of the enzymes as much. Um, they, they refuse to look at ultrafiltration. They refuse to steadfastly do anything other than just heat it to death. So that lack of resilience, that lack of adaptation, that lack of listening to the scientists that say, got to do something different, this heat's killing all the good stuff, is really putting us in a destiny which is not good for dairymen in America either. We're losing five dairies a day that are serving pasteurization because of the fact that pasteurized fluid milk is being rejected and they're overproducing. And pasteurization excuses filth. The dairyman can do whatever he wants. It's going to be commingled with 50 other dairies and dumped into a big tank and they're going to cook the hell out of it. Where's the value in producing, uh, you know, uh, filth, dirt, uh, manure? There isn't. So to save the farmer, you have to literally serve the consumer. The processors are failing to adapt to do that. And whatever science they choose to do, they're not changing. Mm. And so it's really quite a tragedy for the entire food chain. However, I will say those that adopted the, the, the clean producing raw milk principles that's taught by the Raw Milk Institute and literally described by how at the International Milk Genomics, we, we, we understand how to do this stuff. It's just no will to do it because the processor views and the FDA won't do it. 
Those farmers that do raw milk well are thriving. Mm. Remember that pasteurized milk, to answer your question, is the number one, number one, not two or three or four, number one most allergenic food in America at the FDA website. Mm. That's because the whey proteins are destroyed and no longer stabilize the mast cells, which release histamines. The alkaline phosphatase enzyme, which is very anti-inflammatory in raw milk, the third most prevalent enzyme, is destroyed completely. In fact, the test for effective pasteurization is called the negative alpha phosphatase test. Duh. So, uh, you know, it, it is blowing up the baby here. It really is in terms of uh, the opportunity for incredible promise for a phenomenal food. We can marriage the modern technology that we do uh, with raw milk. In the right conditions, with the right set of you know sunshine and grass, and and keeping things dry and clean, and and paying the workers that work with the cows well, so that the udders are prepared properly, the machines are put onto a clean udder versus a dirty udder, all those kinds of things, and rapidly chilling. It's all about quote changing the standards for expectations of the farmers and paying the farmers well, and bottling it differently and delivering it differently. That takes a tremendous will and investment and change. Nobody wants to do that. But farmers are doing it by themselves because they recognize the consumers are demanding it and they can serve them directly versus a processor. And that is a transforming thing. Think about this, Drew. This is really powerful. A farmer is underpaid. He's alienated on the farm and doesn't know anybody. All he knows is that processor guy that comes to the truck, picks up the milk and takes it away. And the check he gets once a month, which isn't enough to pay the bills. That's all he knows. Number one or two suicide rate in America is the farmer on the dairy who can't make it happen when he is the first generation and many that will lose the farm. Mm. Now, let's change the, change the picture now to the raw milk dairyman. He's been trained and educated in how to do raw milk properly. His milk is delicious. It's safe. He's paid very well for it because he has his own brand. He sets his own price to make sure he's at least marginally profitable, if not more. And people come to him all the time and hug and kiss him and say, thank you so much. Look at my children. They don't have eczema anymore. and Their asthma is better. So it's transforming to farmers because the farmers can live a life of purpose and they can be sustained because their children get excited and want to take over the farm. And next generation has hope and promise. And more than that, success, sustainability. And their consumers love them and be love them and talk about them and cheer them. And they are local heroes. So this is transforming entire, the entire food chain, not just people's guts and, and families, but the farmers and, and, and how they will treat and how they can afford to treat their cows, right? They got mm -hmm. money now. So it's incredible what's going on. It's, it's really, really redoing um, the dairy industry and the consumer orientation to that industry in a very, very, very uh, incredibly heartfelt, intellectual, uh, just a wonderful place. It, it's just great. Mm, that's that's wonderful. So so you just got back from Ireland. I know you said so. So when you talk to people outside the U.S., I mean, are you seeing more a more willingness to a more willingness to open to these ideas outside of, unfortunately, the United States? Are, are other countries a bit more open to this? Well, every country kind of has their own social contract with their people. In America, we have one that's based basically on money. Um, if the people want it, you generally do it. If the people don't want it, you generally don't do it. 
in the European Union, there's a little different social contract because there's socialized medicine. So what the, what the governments and the universities are trying to do is figure out the right thing to do and do it because it prevents illness and disease versus the uh, culture we have in America where even the medical industry is driven by a lot of money. So sick people are not necessarily a bad thing because it makes money for the whole medical industry and pharmaceuticals thrive. Well, in Europe, guess who pays for pharmaceuticals and doctors? The people do. And, and so, well, we do too, but very indirectly. But the bottom line is in Europe, it's the government that provides free medical care for the people. So they want it to be less expensive by prevention. You see this in Denmark and Norway. There's a tremendous amount of investment in health spas and nutritional training and, and time off with family and, and having a better quality of life. And they're ranked as top in the world in quality of life. So we don't have that social contract in America. So we have a different deal. And so the research is different. And uh, where we're going. So in Europe, there is a different system for appreciating food as medicine. Interestingly enough, uh, <laughs> this is called trends right here. And I know you can't see this because we're doing video. I mean, not doing video. But what's interesting is this is the California Milk Advisory Board funded by checkoff dollars by conventional dairymen. They have identified that the top trend for food is food is medicine. That's mm -hmm. the top 2023 trend. But the kind of of highly processed dairy products that are being produced by processors don't meet that threshold. They are not bioactive. They do not do the things we've talked about with asthma, allergies, colds, flu, uh, ear infections. They don't do those things. In fact, it triggers it. So there's a disconnect between the processing industry and their customers. And there's a really disconnect between the farmers and the processors and the customers because nobody knows what's going on with the customers because the farmers are disconnected from them, completely disconnected. So they're, they're not paid to take care of people. They're paid to take care of processors. So we have a real challenge in just the structure of what we've created in America's dairy system, where other countries are moving beyond that saying, wait a minute. Uh, let's look at the bioactives. Let's engage those to help our customers, our, our citizens, be healthier. So we don't have to pay for the, the medical side. We want to prevent these diseases and problems versus just have more profits for pharmaceuticals, and which is a failing thing. Uh, it's really a disaster. And our customers, our raw milk consumers, have recognized that raw milk is the ultimate food as medicine. And they won't eat things that have long ingredient lists. They won't eat things that include lots of sugar or added sugar. They won't eat things that have antibiotics or preservatives or GMO. They want simple, short food chain. Uh, they want a simple ingredient list. They want to know their farmer, and they want to see the benefits in their children, and they don't care what it costs. The value is at the heart. And so it's, a, it's, a, it's really rebuilding a broken paradigm in a shape that's beautiful. And... I, I'm delighted by it, and it's exciting. It's really exciting to be in the middle of that whole thing and mm. leading it. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it was interesting how you have heard you say, you know, this that that for for many people there is a disconnection between food and healing, food and medicine, because as you said, it's basically illegal <laughs> to yeah. to say that food is healing in any way. So you hear, hear it anecdotally from, from people and you, and, and you feel it when I drink raw milk. I mean, I feel 
I feel the difference. I feel I feel great. Um, but but there is this disconnection because, as you've said, you know, you can't you can't really tell people that it's you know on your website or whatnot because it's you know government oh. will shut you down. You can, as an independent person, share and teach, and and I can. Uh, as a free world American, I can speak with you. If you control the podcast and you control, I can't put this information I'm saying to you today on my website or on my any of my social platforms. I can't do that. In fact, I have an injunction against me by the, by the FDA. There's something, uh, it's called the Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act that says that you cannot make any, clue, any, any um, claims of healing or curing or good things coming from food, unless the FDA says, okay. Uh, there have been 12 claims approved by the FDA in the last 35, 30 years or so, and they're all very superficial and BS. Um, and, and like soy and fat and things like that have been approved. It's like weird. Uh, it's not really talking about the gut microbiome or immune system. In fact, I don't know of any. There are no, no claims approved by food for food as far as building immune systems are concerned. However, the FDA is really an organization that is, it's a regulatory organization that is stuck in, we call it stickiness. They stick with something that's about 20 years already passed. And their ability to change is really dogmatic and difficult because industry and FDA work so closely together, they don't want anything to change because that changes their niche, that changes their market, that changes what they have to do to serve people. So they're going to be very unwilling to adopt or accept anything we have, even though science and even though their own scientists talk about probiotics and talk about the gut microbiome internally, they will not change policy. So there's a very big problem there. However, however, doctors like Dr. Paul Saladino and others, they are professing this to the, to the, to the mountains. They are screaming this to the hills. And people are listening, saying, I'm not listening to the FDA anymore. Why would I listen to them? A bunch of jokers, they want to push a pill on me. They want to give me this and that and the other thing and vaccinate me 82 times before I'm 18 years old. Hell with that. They're saying, I want to follow the pioneers that have Mother Nature's blueprints, that have good science behind them, that I love and help me. And so you, you, you hear that these influencers and I'll give a lot of credit to my daughter, Kaylee. She sent out, starting four years ago, what we call influencer boxes, which was free product, all wrapped up real pretty, out to people that we knew um, might say something kind about raw milk. We're open. That has become a massive marketing uh, methodology. We have, we have literally 345 influencers begging to be our influencers that we don't have enough time, energy, money to go out and send them boxes because mm. we have hundreds already that we're doing it, doing it, that go crazy. I mean, Danica Patrick, the race car driver gal, super, super neat gal, super supporting our raw milk dairy products, big time. Uh, Corey Spelling, movie star, huge supporter of us. Paul Saladino, huge supporter. So just Leanne Rimes, uh, her eczema was resolved with raw milk. So, you know, it's people that people want to emulate and be more like they're influencing the population at least the the awoken ones the ones that are uh, aware and want to be uh, uh want to learn something and want to help themselves 
it, it's tragic. I think one of the biggest tragedies right now is the gut microbiome and inflammation, uh, Crohn's disease, for instance, Crohn's and irritable bowel. Doctors say, eat whatever you want. It doesn't make any difference. Just take our medications and drugs because food doesn't affect the microbiome. Who cares? And then they said, when our medications don't work, we always have surgery to remove your intestines. You can poop in a plastic bag with a colostomy bag. That is, that is uh, tearfully tragic. Yes. Because so we know, I know, I know a lot of people completely recovered from severe Crohn's disease. I'm talking about days from surgery. And it took them a few months, yes. But using avocados, bone broths, uh, kefir, raw milk, kefir, raw milk, uh, other wonderfully uh, gut healing foods, um, garlic, uh, onions, mushrooms, vegetables, uh, good bone broths. I mean, it, it, collagen rich foods, all these foods that Hillary talks about all the time when she's making her brew, her stew in the kitchen. Yeah. These kinds of things um, are gut healing. And especially in the light of the abuse of antibiotics and where we're going with a whole medical paradigm that's changing slightly and changing slowly, but it is changing uh, because the medical schools are starting to teach about the gut microbiome now. But it's just in the last 10 years they've done that. It has not happened prior to that. So we are in a, a real paradigm shift time period. And we, we often say we don't sell raw milk, we teach it. So when you teach people about the gut immune system, we teach people about what raw milk is and breastfeeding and all that stuff. The benefits of breastfeeding, by the way, are undisputed by anybody. Right. But yet it's mammalian raw milk. When you teach those things, people shift their mind. And because their gut is so connected to the brain, emotionally and thoughtfully, the gut brain axis, um, you change their gut, their mind follows quickly. So very exciting to see leadership on the social network side actually overpowering by far the FDA who's lost their, their authoritative leadership, their trust of the people because their recommendations have been so false and hollow and absent and 20 years or 30 years behind the times. So uh, we, we are moving and grooving. Yeah. You know, aside from strengthening the immune system or regul and regulating the immune system and, and, and building the, the gut and the microbiome, all that, did you also say, did I, did I also hear you say something regarding, um, well, something else that I was thinking of is, is the way in which it strengthens the physical body. D did you say something to the effect that Sylvester Stallone in his refrigerator was all this raw milk? Was that was that because because someone was asking me about that because I because I'm feeling like just just from my own drinking the the yeah. the raw milk and the kefir and the and and all this raw stuff I, I'm I'm feeling physically stronger. What what was that was that something that you you had said that that was in his fridge or? Yes, this is a very old story. One of the beginning, one of my first stories. I got excited back in 2003. <laughs> Uh, there used to be a magazine, I don't really even know if it exists anymore, called Sly Magazine. Sly as in Sylvester Stallone. And in the Sly Magazine back in 2003 or four, is way early on. I don't even know where that magazine is today. It said, what's in uh, Sylvester's refrigerator? What's in his refrigerator? Well, at that time, he had all kinds of organic pastures dairy products in his refrigerator. And he had it down in his boxing camp. He had in, in um, 
Arizona. And so his boxing, he had a boxing camp down there and, and he would strongly cons uh, strongly suggest support and consume raw dairy products. Um, there are growth hormones found in raw dairy products that are naturally occurring. Uh, that's what grows a baby to be stronger and bigger and bones and everything else grows as a result of the stimulation of these wonderful uh, naturally occurring hormones, human growth hormones. And so raw milk supports the, the rebuilding of muscles and the building of muscles and tissues and bones, makes your dental uh, hygiene better with the bacterial flora, as well as the bones themselves. My own story, I was having all kinds of problems up until about 1997 or eight when I started, well, 1999, I started consuming raw milk myself. I didn't for, I didn't for many years. I did as a child on the farm, but it wasn't on my mind. I had all kinds of dental problems. They came to a screeching halt in 2000 because of the consumption of raw milk and the alkaline phosphates and the ability for calcium to be absorbed, utilized with raw fats and all kinds of cool stuff going on there. So bone density, I, we hear all the time about older people drinking raw milk that fall and don't break their hip. Um, they don't break their hip. Uh, breaking of a hip as an older person can be a death knell. You die within six months because it, it, it makes you bedridden and you get decubitus ulcers and pneumonia and you die. Uh, so it's interesting how bone density and bone strength is a very important part of not only beginning of life, but also end of life in terms of the whole span of life. But yes, Sylvester, a big supporter of us early on, uh, and it was in his slide magazine. It was pictures of what's in his magazine. It was all raw dairy products from our farm. <laughs> mm, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. It is. Mark, let me ask you a couple other questions here as we as we get toward the end here. You know, what are some of your daily practices that keep you feeling strong and healthy and and grounded? Spend time with my grandkids. I love my grandkids. It's I think that it's super formative for me at 62 years old to spend time with them when they're 10, 11 years old to build the future of our operations, to have future leadership that is uh, not only consuming our products, but also filled with my joy, my passion, my purpose. One of the greatest things I've found in life is to, to live a life of purpose. You have a reason to live, a reason to get up and do things because there's people to serve. There's a team to support. There's new creameries to build there's people to educate. There's there's paradigms to break and crack and shift and rebuild. There's research to be performed. Uh, I go at walking, quote, running every morning uh, with my dog, uh, Shelby. She and I go up and down on a runway a couple of times. I do a bunch of push-ups. Um, and I, I enjoy that because it really just kind of makes me feel good. Uh, I always have kefir in the morning. I always have some raw milk kefir and, and raw, raw dairy products. Um, a couple times a day at least. Um, try to eat a whole food diet. I'm not perfect, but I try to eat a whole food diet, which is uh, the short ingredient list. Uh, love for my wife. Treat her like a princess and, and make sure that our relationship is strong. Um, those things um, I really enjoy. I love experiencing new things. I love venturing out in nature and I love the air camp. I like to take my airplane and assess the 10 and fly in the middle of nowhere and pop a tent out and just enjoy the beautiful nature uh, that that we live on this this fantastic earth. Um, uh, in my heart, I'm a humanitarian. I'm a flying doctor's emergency pilot for uh, going to Mexico to support clinic work down there. Unfortunately, we had to stop doing that in the last year because of Sinaloa cartel has thought that uh, killing people with shooting people in the streets more important than clinic work. So we're not doing that. 
but I'm also a sheriff's air squadron a volunteer pilot here in Fresno. I'm not a sworn police officer, but I am a sworn officer that supports uh, search and rescue to look for people when they're 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 lost in the mountains. So I do that volunteer work. So I, I really much at my heart a humanitarian uh, public service kind of guy, and uh, I've always believed in that as a paramedic. I've always believed in in treating all humanity with care. And now we're, we're actually hoping to feed humanity with care. Um, and so it, it gives, gives you a tremendous amount of feeling of self-value um, and purpose to serve others beyond self. It's a we project, not a me project. Mm, that's beautiful. Mark, is there anything else you'd like to bring up as we bring this to a close regarding the farm or anything that you're doing that you'd like people to know about? We, built, we had a fire last year um, that burned down our creamery. Most people would think that's a death knell, you're done. Uh, that was the most inspirational tragedy I've ever had in my life. Thank God nobody was hurt in the, in the fire. It burned down by itself a half mile from our house. Some arsonists started it. We are re rebuilding back better, uh, as, you, as they say, uh, in a way that we would never really ins been inspired to do so because we were just kind of building on to what we had before. And now we are forced to really conceive of the grandly possible. And so we're building a brand new creamery that's going to be totally focused around all the things that we want to enhance, the consumer experience, so they can go through a tour and see how the product's being, being made uh, using the most advanced food safety technology so we have that protection without processing, by the way, just protection. Uh, the best uh, fire sprinkler systems and, and camera systems that are made <laughs> so we don't have a problem with a fire in the future and nothing flammable, you could light it, but it would never burn. Those kinds of things are, are exciting. And we will have a grand opening here in the spring of 2025. It's breaking ground in January, February this year. The funding's there, uh, USDA BNI loan. It's really exciting to see uh, the architecture, all the surveys, the architectural surveys, the feasibility studies, all those things are done. So a fire, a tragedy of burning down our creamery a tragic fire, it's not what you're given in life, it's what you do with what you're given. And so our team is extremely resilient, very hardworking, and driven by what? Driven by our customers that support us dearly. And so you can do anything. Uh, we had people saying, where's the GoFundMe site? We said, we don't have one. Just clear the shelves when the milk gets there. We have not, we have not been able to keep milk on our shelves in California since then. So, you know, being driven at 60% growth per year, yes, we've added cows. Yes, we built infrastructure. We've done, we're looking at dairy number two now, more grass, more pastures, more infrastructure, uh, more jobs for people, more good paying jobs for people, more products, more touring, goodness upon goodness, compounding goodness. So I just want everybody to know that when you support a farmer doing raw milk, you're, you're, you're supporting a paradigm shift, which is good for everybody, including the planet, the cows, the people, the next generations, farming, everybody, our country, our countries, other countries around the world are also participating with Raw Milk Institute. Great Britain is doing it. Um, Australia, New Zealand. Um, we've had work done in, in, in India, of all places, South Africa, Beirut, Lebanon. I mean, it's going down internationally. A lot of work in the Netherlands. So it's exciting to see this as a worldwide thing, not just here in California with our brand, but we're sharing universally to everybody because I believe that a rising tide floats all boats. 
and we should share goodness and the chaos should be decreased and the organization and um, wonderful, uh, you know, well, nourished consumers can increase. And with that, taking everything along the food chain. So that's my last takeaway, but it's extremely exciting. And I thank you so much for sharing the story and getting it out there to everyone so they can appreciate it and help their farmers wherever they might be. Oh, my pleasure, Mark. So is there anywhere you'd want people to go to check out a website or anything? We can we can put it in the show notes as well. Sure. But uh... I would encourage looking at rawfarmusa.com, rawfarmusa.com for our brand. I would also look at realmilk.com to find raw milk near you. And lastly, and very importantly, I would look at raw milk institute, rawmilkinstitute.org. It's a nonprofit organization dedicated to everything I've spoken about in the last 45 minutes. And we're doing it for all of us, not just with us here in California, but all of us everywhere around the world. And it's a nonprofit supported by, of all things, the 11th Hour Fund by Google um, has funding that's sent there because Eric Smith's grandson, Eric Smith is the multi-billionaire, used to be the CEO of, of, of Google. He had a grandson that really had a tough time with asthma and he drank raw milk here in California and got better. And they appreciated raw milk and support what's going on with Raw Milk Institute. So look at rawmilkinstitute.org. Beautiful. All right. Mark has a plane to catch. Well, he's got a plane to fly right now with his grandkids. So uh, yes. Hall Halloween and all that. Uh, Mark, yeah. thank you so much for coming on today. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for being an educator. Appreciate it very much. All right, Mark, take care. Okay, buddy. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to The Drew Perlman Show. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. In the words of Mark Twain, 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than the things you did do. So throw off the bow lines, sail away from the safe harbor, and catch the trade winds in your sails. Explore, dream, discover, and stay well, everyone.